Take your copy of God's Word this morning and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11. And we have declared this morning that there is no one else like him. And that is not something that we just verbalize. It is something that has taken reality in our hearts and lives. It has gripped us because there is no one else like Jesus. Over the last few months, I've talked about different lives of the Scripture. We've talked about David, and we talked about Esther, we talked about Joseph. We could talk about all kinds of others. We could talk about Moses, we could talk about Paul, we could talk about Peter, we could talk about Joshua. And I want you to know that in each case, God would speak to us. I know He would. But we would always need to remember that no other life was like the life of Jesus Christ. And that no one else offers to us what Jesus offers to us. Especially as we think about rest. How we can rest in Jesus. To know that Jesus himself is our rest. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus breaks out into like a prayer of gratitude and thanksgiving to the Father. He highlights his unique relationship with the Father. And then those who are listening hear him extend an invitation. An invitation to rest. Listen to the way Matthew records it for us. In Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 25, it says, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is praying and he speaks again to the Father about that discernment that he has given and how even though there are those who were not as wise and obviously those who were not as worthy, that somehow God chose them to give this special revelation to. And Jesus says, and even this special relationship that I have with you, I give thanks to you for that and give thanks that you are a you allow me to call others into that same special relationship. And then he, as I said, extended that invitation to those around. I want you to hear today a word for the restless. A word for the restless. Now, I know that when I look around this congregation, and I'll be honest, even if I were just to look around my own house, I would find people who are restless. And what I mean by that is we just... We're just tired. We're, we're weary. We, we just need sometimes some rest, right? I mean, think about how many people just kind of try to figure out, like, how can I get a little extra rest in some way? I, I know that the song service was awesome this morning, but I really thought some of you were going to break out in praise when Jason was doing the announcements. And it wasn't just because of Jason's glowing personality. I mean, that's good. But it was because he spoke about next week when we would get an extra hour of sleep. 
See, Leslie and I already had a praise session over that this morning before we even got here. We got up and drug ourselves out of bed and said, guess what? Next week, one extra hour. How we get excited about rest and how people really make, they even make money itself off of telling you how you can rest better. Last night, I, I, I just Googled a few things and, and I was trying to figure out like, let, let's see what the world says about kind of rest or, and, and, and the way we are to find rest. So I was looking it up and I found like uh, this site that said six steps to resting better. And then I found like six secrets to resting better. And then I found six ninja tricks to resting better. I didn't click on the website. I have no idea what it is. I, I was puzzled though. I was kind of like, why is everything six? I mean, it was just boom, boom, boom. Everything was six, like six steps, six, six secrets, six ninja tricks to resting better. But you know, even that little jingle we have in our head, you know what I'm talking about? The little jingle that goes through my head constantly. I don't know why it's gotten in there for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world. Visit mypillow.com, right? I hate that jingle, but obviously it's effective. And every time it comes on, I think to myself, if I could only have that type of pillow, if I, maybe I ought to order that pillow and see if it really could help. We're a restless bunch. Look at what Jesus says. I actually want to look in verse 28. I'm going to focus on verses 28 and 30, through 30. But I want to look in verse 28. After the invitation, he says, All you who labor and are heavy laden. I want, I want you to see how he speaks to the restless. He speaks to the ones who go on laboring. That is in the present tense. In other words, they go on working. They go on toiling in some way. Literally what that word means is to engage in hard work, implying difficulties and trouble. Someone has said that it is weariness, as though one had been beaten. The proper word, they said, for physical tiredness induced by work, exertion, and heat. It is the idea that you are tired. That you seem like you have just been working feverishly. The word is used in Luke 5, 5 to describe those who have been fishing all night and they had toiled, but they had caught nothing. It was just a tiredness. Seemed like difficulty and trouble had come to these individuals. You and I have been there, right? Where we just felt tired. Now, we think about it physically. I'm going to move into the spiritual realm in a moment, but for us, we often think physically of just how tired we can be. A few years ago, as we were going through ministry together, Leslie and I adopted a song. It was, uh, it, and the lyrics in particular of that song said, I am worn. And it felt like there was a time in our ministry where it wasn't just we were tired. It wasn't just the difficult, it was just the idea that we are worn. We are spent. And there are people I see everywhere around me that live lives of spentness. Lives where they are just simply 
worn. It is though that they are exerting themselves over and over and over, and all they find is exhaustion. Jesus said to those of you who continue to toil, who go on laboring, those of you who are tired, he says, and those who are heavy laden, those who are heavy laden, it literally there it means to be loaded down. It can refer to the same type of language that would describe cargo in a ship, like in the book of Acts. In other words, you've got all this cargo that you're trying to carry around with you. You are heavy laden. And this is a passive voice. In other words, it is being placed upon you. The action is happening to you. It is the idea that it has been placed there and that you continue to have that consequences or those consequences in your life. You are burdened down. You are loaded down. The first is in the active voice. You love this English lesson, right? Especially from a boy from Mississippi. It's always surprising. But the first word to labor is active. The second one to be labored down or to be all of these burdens put upon you in the passive voice. That has led some to say that these two words in a way describe every type of active and passive element of human misery. That whatever is coming against you, the things that have worn you out. Now, most of us can think about those in physical terms. And as I said, most of us in this place could identify with being tired or weary or loaded down. Look at our families, right? Look at our individual lives. Look at our schedules. Just as the speakers last week talked about busyness in our lives. I mean, there are so many things that can just load us down so many things that we toil over, I mean, every day. Leslie will look at me on Sunday night, and she'll say, okay, which nights are you going to be home this week? Because the nights that you're home this week, it would be nice to, that you would participate in the taxi service. Or maybe we call, should call it Uber now, <laughs> of getting the kids from one place to the other. So many different things that we face physically. But I want you to hear... That God is concerned about our physical needs. And he is concerned about our physical tiredness. He is concerned about our physical loads. But he is also concerned about our spiritual loads. And he is concerned about our spiritual tiredness. What do I mean by that? Well, again, I don't think any verse can be divorced from the context that it's placed in Scripture. And when I look at this and I am reminded that even before Jesus is, is condemning those who would not have faith, those who would not trust him, those who would not come to him, and he will condemn afterwards the religious leadership who would try to add burden after burden to the average individual, to that average person that is just seeking to follow him. There were all kinds of burdens 
and all kind of toils that had been placed upon the people of God by the religious leadership. Jesus will say to them in Luke chapter 11, verse 46, he will say, Woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. He said, you're putting all these burdens on the people. I mean, the people are burdened enough. They, they have enough instead of you as religious leadership to put more burdens on them. Specifically, they had spiritually, spiritually loaded the people of God. Let me give you an example because it is the example that you see in chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. Because right after Jesus talks about rest and he speaks to them, those who are restless, those who are loaded down, he then, we then have this description of Jesus and his relationship with the Sabbath. Think of the Sabbath for a moment. The Sabbath was a distinctive part of the people of Israel. It was distinctive characteristic of who they were. The Sabbath, it grew out of creation. Remember, God made the world, all the universe, everything that you can begin to fathom. He made that in six days. And on the seventh day, he ceased from his work. The word Sabbath means to cease. So like he stopped. It wasn't because he was tired. It wasn't because he was burdened down. He just stopped because creation had been complete and he pronounced the goodness of creation and all of his work. He ceased from his activity. And over the years that would follow, he would call his people to cease, to just stop, to take one day, to take one day and just rest. And in that rest, remember that he was the creator. Remember the reason we stop as the people of God is because we celebrate God as the creator. This is what God did. And for the people of Canaan, when they would see the Jewish people stop, I believe they would ask questions sometimes. I believe that they would say, what are you doing? I mean, all the rest of us, we're out in the fields, we're working, we're doing this. Why would you stop? And oh, what an opportunity to share about the Yahweh universal God. Uh, let me tell you, the reason we stop is because our God created all this stuff. Our God was the one who worked and our God was the one who brought all of these things into being. And our God is the one that loved us and called us into relationship. This is our God. The Sabbath was supposed to be a great moment to just stop and cease and rest. But what had the people been taught? The religious leaders had unfortunately added so many burdens for the Sabbath. So many burdens that they couldn't even begin to think about resting. They would add 39 categories. Think about this. The religious leaders, to the simple command of rest, they would add 39 different categories of prohibitions for the Sabbath. 39. It says, 
in some of these, in some of these categories, these were the forbidden activities. Carrying, burning, extinguishing, finishing, writing, erasing, cooking, washing, sewing, tearing, knotting, untying, shaping, plowing, planting, reaping, harvesting, threshing, winnowing, selecting, sifting, grinding, kneading, combing, spinning, dyeing, chain stitching, warping, weaving, unraveling, building, demolishing, trapping, shearing, slaughtering, skinning, tanning, smoothing, and marking. And that wears me out just reading the list. I'm like, how am I going to get rest on the Sabbath if I'm always thinking about all these different categories? If I'm always trying to make sure that I'm following the rules that my religious leaders set forth. They had set these things forth and they had become a burden. Even today to some degree. And let me say this. I wasn't planning on saying this, but we do need to pray for our nation. And we need to pray for all people. And even those who have been attacked in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, we need to be praying for those who are there this day. And we need to be lifting up all those who have seen hostility shown against them this week. We ought to be praying for that. Let me move on. Even today, though, you have this uh, kind of idea about the Sabbath. I remember when I was in the Holy Land the first time. It was on... A Saturday and you could tell things had kind of shut down and closed around the area we had come back into the hotel and I saw a big line at this elevator and I looked at that line and I thought look at those folks they're all lined up there there's one elevator here that is not being used it doesn't say it's out of order doesn't say so listen Mississippi smarts I'm not gonna stand in that long line don't have time for this I will get in to this line right here with this elevator. I got on the elevator. And then I realized that I was stopping on every floor. I thought, this is strange. Why in the world would I stop on every floor? I can't really control this from the inside here. I can't, can't get it. And I was like on the 10th floor. It was like just, it opened. People get in. Yeah. yeah. How you doing? You know, and I was sitting there thinking, what is this? I get upstairs, I get off the elevator, and there are all those people that were waiting in line. I said, how did you all get up here so quickly? They said, well, we took the other elevator. I said, I know that. <laughs> what was going on? They said, you didn't know that elevator is the Sabbath elevator. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I did not know that. What does that mean? It means it stops on every floor so that you do not have to touch the button and expend energy in any way. Hmm. Never do that again. Unfortunately, the religious leadership of Jesus' day had acted like that in adding so many burdens to the people. Again, Matthew chapter 12, you ought to read those first 14 verses when you get home, not now. When you get home. Because basically you have a story of Jesus and his disciples walking through these fields and they begin to pluck these heads of grain. And of course, the Pharisees are there and they see this and they begin to protest because he's doing work 
on the Sabbath. Uh, you, you, could, you could say there was, the, there was the picking, there was the threshing, there was, if he, they threw it into the air, it was kind of the winnowing. In other words, it's like he broke the law in three different areas. And his disciples did. And Jesus just looks at them and said, don't you remember when David was running from Saul that the priest allowed him to eat the showbread? Do you, do you remember that? Because it was necessity that was there. Do you remember the priests themselves serve on the Sabbath? So there is some type of work that is done by the priest. And if that is not enough for you, may I remind you who created the Sabbath? I am the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus claimed authority and was saying, I am the one that can do whatever, because this is my day. I am the one that designed its intention, not you. You distorted it. And then, of course, he heals. Heaven forbid that he would heal somebody on the Sabbath. In particular, a man with a withered hand. He healed. And they began to complain against him because he had healed. He had expended energy. And Jesus said, what if you had a sheep? In this translation, Matthew in particular, he says, what if you have a sheep that had fallen in a pit? Would you not try to rescue that sheep even though it would be the Sabbath? Do you not believe that human life is even more valuable? See, the religious leadership had burdened down the people. It was hard for them to even enjoy the Sabbath, which was made for, them, made for them to know what worship and the creation activity, for them to know what the rest of God was like. But they burdened them down. So to the restless, those who were toiling, those who were burdened down, even spiritually. What does he do? He says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Rest. If you were to break the words, the word apart, it means something like to cease down. Chuck Swindoll says, it might be good to translate it downtime. Cease down. Rest. He says, I will give you rest. I am so grateful that our Lord loved us enough to offer us rest. From the burdens, from the toil, from all that other people would put on us, he offers rest. What does he say, though? He says, take my yoke. Take. The tense of the verb means that you are to do it decisively. In other words, you got to make your mind up. <laughs> you got to decide, I will take my yoke or take the yoke of Jesus upon myself. I will take this yoke. What was a yoke? Obviously, it was like this wooden beam that would be crafted and used 
to, to put upon the shoulders of these beasts, maybe mules or oxen, so that they would be able to plow or go about their work. Carpenters often made those. I think Jesus probably had seen one made before. And those yokes often were customized to the animals so that there wasn't any type of uh, damage done to the animal. So Jesus, using this agrarian analogy, he says, take. Make up your mind. Take my yoke. Hey, it was not just an agricultural example, but also the rabbis of the day would have used this language to just simply say, come on, come learn from me. Take my yoke. And then when you make the decision, which again, verse 29, that verb is like take decisively. It says, and learn from me. The way you should translate that part of the text is you go on learning from me because that's present tense. In other words, you make the decision to take the yoke and then you go on. That word learn is the verb form of disciple. Means that you are going to continually be discipled by me. And then some very beautiful, some very beautiful language used to describe Jesus says, Jesus speaking of himself, he says, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Gentle, meek. Same word in Matthew 5, 5, the Beatitudes. Meekness, gentleness, strength under control. And he says, humble in spirit. When I was looking up this word and seeing some different translations, someone had suggested that it could mean something like unpretentious. I'm gentle, I'm meek, and I'm unpretentious. I'm not like the pretenders you're following. And there were a lot of pretenders. Jesus called them hypocrites. Literally in the Greek, it means actors. And he says, they're acting, I'm real. I will give to you a genuine, unpretentious type of rest. And he says, this yoke... This yoke is easy. Some translations say better or maybe useful. He says, and my burden is light. Now, he's not saying, Jesus is not saying that you're just going to have easiness after you follow me. Hey, let's see. Some of you have followed Jesus. How many of you, it's just easy every day for you now, right? Because you never have a problem. Well, come on, somebody, somebody in here. He's not saying that life is going to be so easy for you. That's not what he's saying. He's using this in a comparative type of way. He said, you know what they're offering you over there is going to burden you down. You're going to keep working. You're going to keep toiling. But if you come to me and if you follow me, then what you're going to see is my, my life is much simpler. My way is much better. It is much more useful. Because get this. I don't have to memorize 39 different categories of the Sabbath of how I might break the law. I don't have to try to see all the other things that are added by the religious leadership. All I need is just to go to his word and hear what he says to me because, again, the father revealed it to the son. The son reveals it to us. 
It is much simpler. It is much better. Because this is the reality. You will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls in one person. In Jesus himself. Rest for your souls. The word there means like your inner self, all of yourself, all of who you are, your entirety, everything about you. If you want rest, you will find it in Jesus. Because go back to that initial invitation, verse 28. Come to me. He didn't say come to some philosophical system. He didn't say come to some institution. He didn't say come to the religious leaders. He said come to me. That is what we should underline and underscore in our lives. Is that rest is found in Jesus. He says, I, and literally it is in the emphatic position, I myself will give you rest. In other words, no one else, I will give you rest. Obviously, you know I've gotten into the tenses and stuff lately, and I see that has excited most of you all in this place. Almost have a hallelujah moment over these things sometimes, but that word come means to keep on coming. It's not that you come, keep on coming in salvation. You, you say, but it's the idea of continued faith. That you can find rest in me. That word can mean an extension toward a goal. Implying movement. Jesus is our goal. He is our goal. He is our affection. And he is still the promised rest today. Hey, let me give you this text as we wrap it all up today. I think it's here in our, well, it'll be on our screens, but Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested in the seventh day from all of his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. Listen to this. Listen. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. He says, if the people of old would have found rest in the Sabbath, or for many, they thought the promised land was going to be rest. 
And that's the way the Old Testament, sometimes the Lord would even describe it that way as the rest, as the security of the place of the people of God. And they're like, if we can just get to the promised land, we're at rest. And the writer of Hebrews, who's addressing people who are trying to go back, who, who are trying to go back to some of their old ways, he says to them, if that would have been good enough, if the promised land would have been good enough, if all of those other things, he would not have said something about another day. But this is the reality. That a day has come where we know what rest is. And that rest has come through Jesus himself. We can rest in him. And how do we do it? By faith. I say to you, that invitation of come is like present tense. Because this is what happens. You and I, at the moment of salvation, we understand that we cannot earn our way to heaven. We understand that. Never be good enough. We know that. We come and we give ourselves to the Lord, and we surrender ourselves. But what happens too often, even among us Baptist brethren and sistren, okay? Even among us, we start thinking of all the things we got to do. Now, I believe in work for the Lord. I believe that you should serve him. But I do not work in order to maintain my approval or my salvation in Christ. And there are a lot of people who are here today, it's like, oh, i got to keep going because I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. You know, there's so many different lists that I've got to follow. And if I follow those one day, maybe I'll get into heaven. No. You dismiss that from your life. That is a false teaching of Satan himself. You will never be good enough. You were not good enough in the beginning, and Jesus extended grace to you, and you will never be good enough. That's the reason he continues to extend grace to you. You and I, we don't have to work feverishly hoping. We have rest in Jesus. Jesus has taken care of all of it on the cross and through the resurrection. He's taken care of all of it so I can rest in him. All these people that try to add things and burdens and toils, mm -mm, because my, my rest is in my Jesus. And that rest is one that we will know forever and ever. My little granny, she had the most formative influence on my life of anybody. She was a tall lady, four foot five, I think. <laughs> when I was growing up, she would go down to the church. We had a walking track. She would walk. My Aunt Barbara, her daughter would take her down there, sometimes force her to go down there and walk. So she'd stay in good shape. She'd walk, 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 walk. I'd go down there a lot because that was some of my athletic training, go to walk with them, you know. <laughs> we were making the loop one day. We are getting through, just getting finished. I knew my Aunt Barbara had basically pulled my granny down out of the house and down to that walking track that day. But we were just finishing up. My granny looked at me and she said, Reggie, she said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to rest. I said, yeah, Granny. She said, absolutely. There ain't going to be any of this walking around. All I'm, I'm resting. I'm 80 years old. I need some rest. And yes, there will be rest one day. Revelation 14, 13. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. For they shall cease from their labors. And their works do follow them. There will be rest. I know that. But the reason my granny was looking forward to a rest in the future 
is because she had the rest of Jesus in her life. She rested in him. What a challenge for us. I say to you today, the invitation is still there. Some of you are toiling. Some of you are burdened down. You're carrying cargo you should never have carried. And Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. Take, make a decision. Take my yoke. And I will give you rest. Today, Jesus still offers rest because Jesus still is rest. Do you hear his voice? Some of you who are not believers, you've never publicly confessed your faith. You've never trusted. It's the only way. It's the way all of us came. Would you come today? Those of you who have been saved for some time, but sometimes you just forget. It's not intentional. It's just unintentional. You just forget that you don't have to work for your salvation. You don't have to do all the things to maintain your salvation. Jesus has already taken care of your salvation. And through your faith and trust, you can know that rest in your life. Today, he offers you rest. Would you accept it? Would you come? Let's pray together. Father, we come to you. We thank you for sending your son (laughs) who has offered us life and forgiveness, who has offered us rest itself. And some of our souls in this place are troubled today. And yes, you are concerned about our physical needs and Father, I do pray that you would help us to find rest there. But Lord, we know that none of these physical, emotional, all these other things are going to be right until we have found spiritual rest in you. God, speak to that one which is lost. Allow him or her to come and confess his or her faith. And Father, for those of us who've been saved, may we come back and just rest in you again. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?